Right, that was a video of our joint worship night this past Friday. Um, we're a part of a Korean ministry called Jeil Songdo Church. It's in Seoul and uh, in an in a area called Shilim. And uh, only thing, well, actually, Shilim is kind of known for being right next to SNU, which is Seoul National University. But, uh, you know, the, the church, from the outside, it looks kind of ghetto, but it's one of the, uh, I think, the 20th or 30th biggest church in Seoul. It's a quite uh, big church, um, and we are an English ministry from that Korean ministry, and we've kind of, uh, uh, you know, from that new Philly that belong that is a part of J.A. Songdo, we've actually done two church plants, and we are the second of the church plants that comes um, out of New Philadelphia Church, which comes out of J.A. Songdo Church. Um, it's, you know, it's weird. When you see this, you won't, you won't see this at other churches in Korea. You're not going to see, like, like, oh, Korean people with English ministries mixed together, with young people, with old people. It's, it's hard to see this. It's not something that's very common. And we believe that it's a, it's a powerful moment where God really did something amazing just for our whole church. And from here, it's just so much life and so much uh, growth and increase is going to come. And uh, I, as I was watching this, that, that little boy, it's not a little boy anymore, but the kid, he was, he was getting prayed for and he was crying and, you know, uh, he had that weird haircut. Um, he used to, he, he used to actually, I used to be the media team leader in Seoul back in the days. And I remember he used to come in. He was in, uh, I think it was junior high or was high school. He used to come in to learn like tech stuff and to learn like how to do the soundboard and all this stuff. And then now I see him up there and I see him just getting filled with the Holy Spirit uh, on fire for the Lord. Just, you know, you can see that the Spirit was just ministering to him. It's powerful to see. And so it was an amazing night this past Friday, uh, we believe that a lot of great testimonies are going to come from it. Um, and so it was a blessing to see that video. Uh, today, I want to continue my seri- sermon series from the book of Acts. I've been preaching out of the book of Acts, which is uh, it's the first book that comes after the Gospels. And it's, it's called Acts because it's about the Acts of the Apostles. Um, you guys know that, you know, uh, it's, it's what happened when Jesus left. Because at the beginning of Acts, we see Jesus. He's a... Uh, you know, he's still with his disciples. And then in the first chapter of Acts, we see him giving this mandate to his people. He tells them to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll go out uh, into the nation and be my witness in Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea, all the, the ends of the earth, you know. And, uh, and then Jesus kind of floats into heaven. And then uh, in chapter 2, you know, I, you know, after Jesus floats up into heaven, the disciples are waiting for the Holy Spirit. You know, they're up in the upper room, 120 of them. They wait for the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes with power at Pentecost. And it was a Pentecost was a, dis, dis, it was a defining moment uh, in the history of the church. It was when the church actually realized that they were the church. They're like, well, this is what we were called to be. And we see that from Pentecost, we see the power of the Holy Spirit work upon the apostles to not just establish the church, but to advance and expand the kingdom of God into all areas of the world, um, and then, uh, and then, and in the at the end of chapter two is where I left off last time. We see a picture of the church that was emerging uh, in Jerusalem at that time. You know, it talks about how you know, they're meeting every day. You know, they're praying together. They were breaking bread, and and, and in it we we see that um, it's a description of the church. It says we read in chapter two, in verse forty three, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And so we come to chapter 3. And uh, I think this is like my eighth sermon in the, in the, in the book of Acts. And I'm at chapter 3. And there's, like, there's a lot more chapters to go. So, you know, hold on to your seats. It is coming. Um, and so we come to chapter 3. And Luke gives us the first account of one of these miracles, signs and wonders, I was breaking, up through the, breaking out through the apostles. Now, it, might, it probably wasn't the first you know, miracle that happened through the hands of the apostles, but it was significant enough for Luke to actually record it um, in the book of Acts. So let's open up the Bible to Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. If your Bibles are open, let me hear. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read from the ESV. And it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gates of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of, the, of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. 
And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. (laughs) But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who had at the, at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. So there was this man, you know, he was a cripple. He, was, he, he couldn't walk. And it says that he was a cripple from birth, meaning that he had never walked before. You know, when he was born from his mother's womb, he was born crippled. He was, it had a congenital defect, meaning that he was born with this defect. This, 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 I don't want to say that sounds really bad, but he was born with this issue on, on his body. He could not walk from the point of birth. And it says that every day this man was carried to the gate of the temple called Beautiful to ask for alms, which is just a nice way to say beg for money. You know, he was a beggar. Uh, it's all he could do. You know, at that time, he, couldn't, he didn't, couldn't get a job. He couldn't do anything. So he was just basically, he couldn't even go there by himself. He, had, he was carried and he was placed at the gate. And he was there to beg for money. And he sat there to, at, at the gate called Beautiful. This huge gate that many Jews pass to get into the temple and to pray and to worship God. And he sat there in hopes that someone would be moved to or feel guilty enough to give him a few coins. A few coins to help him survive. Another reason he was at the gate was because he wasn't allowed into the temple. You know, because of their spiritual pride, Jews, they felt that he was blemished. Not fit for the house of God. You know, the Jewish, the, the people back then, they felt that this was a sign of sin. When somebody was born like this, it was either a sign of sin or it was a sign of sin upon his parents. And so he was not allowed to actually enter the, to, the, to the temple. And he was always placed at the gate. Um, and so he sat at the steps and begged. And people gave him their loose change to ease their conscience as they went to, prayer, to pray. You know, some people probably gave you know, out of compassion. Others probably gave a little out of, you know, out of guilt. And some probably actually gave, thinking that, you know, if they did, God was going to do something nice for them. But most people probably just ignored him and just passed on by. It was a big gate. It was, as I say, it was 60 feet wide. And so, you know, they, they were walking and they saw him. They just probably went like this and walked the other way and walked, you know, and just kind of ignored him. And so here comes Peter and John. And the cripple, seeing them, approaching them, asked him for a little bit of money. And Peter and John says to him, look at us. Because he was probably wasn't looking at them. Probably always looking down or, you know, just not to make them uncomfortable and not to, to make them. So he was probably, you know, probably looking at the ground. But he knew that he was coming. And, he, and when Peter and John said, look at us, he looked up. And it says he looked up expecting them to give him something. And Peter tells him, silver and gold I do not have. And he probably was like, he's like, look at us. He's like, silver and gold I do not have. He's like. You. It's a silver and gold I don't have, but I do what I do have. I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he said, and he said, walk. And and as Peter takes his hand, instantly the this, this strength, the strength and muscle and and things that were never there before from his birth starts to come alive in his legs. And not only does he walk, but he jumps to his feet. It says he jumped to his feet and he entered the temple courts with them, walking and jumping. It's like, I, I just see this man just like, woo like jumping around, you know, like, because he had never done this before. I mean, like, if he had at one point knew how to walk, he would have been like, oh, but he had, he's, just, he's just like, wow, if I do this, I go up. And he was probably just amazed. He was just filled with, with, with just joy in his heart. So happy, so excited. And this is a powerful testimony, amen? More so because he was a cripple that everyone knew to be crippled. You know, it says that he was daily, every day he was placed at this gate. 
So, so people, everybody in the city, it was probably, he was probably a fixture at this gate. And so everybody saw him. He wasn't famous. They just knew who he was because he was the cripple, the beggar, the lame man that was at the gates called beautiful, begging for money every day. You know, it says that later on, it says that the man was over 40 years old. So he's been, you know, he's been there for quite, quite some time. And, and it made this miracle even that much more powerful to the people that saw it. When they saw this man, they realized, wow. And it was like, like he had always been a cripple. I, I, I remember him back when, you know, he was born. And, and he, this, this, for 40 years, this man had been a cripple. And they knew that he'd been a cripple. And now he was walking. And it just was that much more powerful. And it, it brought that much more glory to God. What an awesome miracle, amen? amen? You know, and I love stories like this. I love it. When I hear it, I like, it, like, it gets me excited. And let me tell you, stories like this does one of two things in people. It either increases their faith or it creates doubt. I want to ask you, what is it doing for you today? When you hear this, is it increasing your faith? For me... When I hear this, it increases my faith. I get excited. I want to see this happen. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I want to see. I want to go and I want to see the lame walk. Right. I want to see yeah. the blind see. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see people's limbs growing out. Because these are, because mm-hmm. God, our God is a God who can do all things. Mm-hmm. And I believe. And, and, and when I hear things like this, and, you know, I hear stories. I haven't gone to missions in a long time. Some of our sisters and a few of our brothers from Seaside were able to go on mission trips this past um, this winter. But I remember, now I used to go on missions, and I we'd hear, you know, we'd have we see testimonies of healing, and since then there have been like crazy testimonies that's been coming out. Like Indonesia pastor Melnwa came and saw a man that was lame, and he's actually walked out of the church. You know, and these things were happening, and I'm like, man, I want to see that. When I hear stories like that, it increases my faith. I, I'm like, man, that's something that I want to see. That's one thing that I want to experience. And so today, I want to ask you the question. In what kind of environment does God's power flow in this matter? In this manner. You know, one of the core values that we have, it says the supernatural is natural. That's one of our core values. We believe that our God is a supernatural God. And the, and the supernatural that things, things that happen through the power of the Holy Spirit, these are natural things for us. And miracles, signs, and wonders, it's, it's a, just part of what it, me, it is to be a Christian. But the questions to ask isn't how do we do it? Because it is not us doing it, amen? Because later on, Peter, he says, Why do you stare at us as if it was our own power or, or piety that we have made this man walk? So it's not about how do we do it, but what causes God to move in this way? In, 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 the, in a way where we see the power of God being released. What kind of environment does God's power flow? And the first point I would like to make to, for you today is, is that God's, God's power flows. Okay, God's power is where he is. Amen? You get it? You're like, what? What does that mean? But let me tell you, God's power is where he is. It's simple. God is, his power is where he's at. And when we read this story, do you think God's presence came is because he was at the temple gates? You know, all day long he's sitting by this temple. It says that he, that he sat by the gate of the temple every day. And he was there for 40 years. So he's for 40, close to 40 years or somewhere between, you know, like, like for many years. Between a little and many years. He's been sitting by this temple. It's a temple. It's considered the house of the Lord. It's considered the actual place, the dwelling place of God. The very home of God. And he camped next to it every day for how many long years? And he was still a cripple. And in all their religious fervor and piety, the people of this temple had nothing to offer this man. Except some coins to keep him from starving and ease ease their conscience. Brothers and sisters, God did not call, he didn't call that temple that this, this lame man was sitting by his home. 
Nor does he even call our sanctuary his home. Because when Jesus Christ was nailed to that cross, and he uttered his last words, it is finished. And what happened? You guys know what happened? It said that the veil in the temple was torn in half. It says the veil was torn in half. And that what that veil represented was the separation, the distance, the seclusion of God to his people. It's what kept us, it's what barred man from entering into the Holy of Holies. Where God resided, it separated us from God. But when that veil was torn, it allowed man to enter into the Holy of Holies. And not just that, but the significance shows that that not only can we enter into the Holy of Holies, but it's, it shows that God left that place. He came out of that place. He came out of that place of seclusion and to now dwell in his new dwelling place, in the lives of the people who love him. When the veil was torn, God was making a declaration on where he was going to reside. And on that ninth hour, as the lame man was begging at the temple gates beautiful, that it was called beautiful. God's presence was not in the temple. But he was in the lives of the two men that were walking up those steps. And Peter and John, they see this lame man. You know, this, this not being their first time in the temple. He, they probably seen him before. And as they walk up to him, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're in the presence of God. And like I said before, most Jews would have nothing to do with this lame man. Because, you know, they believe that, you know, this probably came from sin. Probably he was a sinner or his parents were probably sinners. But Peter saw, when, when Peter saw this man, you know, the words of Jesus probably echoed through his ears. Neither this man nor his parents sin, but this happens so that the work of God may be displayed in him. So Jesus said before he healed the blind man. And his faith, his faith rose up in Peter. And so Peter reaches out his hand, and his man is healed. You know, life starts to flow through his legs. You know, he comes, he starts jumping up. He's fully healed. His legs come alive. And let me ask you, is the hand that reached out and touched this cripple's, crippled man's hand, is it Peter's hand or is it God's hand? And the answer is Yes. Yes, it's Peter's hand, but it's also Christ in Peter, the hope of glory. It was Christ residing in Peter. It was the presence. It's where Christ, where God is, his power is. Do you you guys get it? Where his power, where his presence is, is where his power is. And to know his power, we have to be a people of his presence. Now, he may be in your presence, but are you in his presence? John fifteen four. I like the NIV. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. You know, and I'm going to tell you that Jesus didn't do miracle signs and wonders because he was God. Because yes, he is God, but he was also perfectly human. That's what it says in the word of God. And he wasn't like a superhuman. He wasn't like an X-Man or, or X-Man. He didn't have like superpowers. He wasn't like a special human being. You know, he wasn't like Magneto. He was a man. But he says in John 5, 19, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. Mm -hmm. 
for whatever he, what, for whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. The power that Jesus walked in came from Jesus being at one with the father. From being in the presence of the father. Jesus knew about the presence. He knew about the presence. Presence of the father. By remaining in the father. And he was at one with the father. And he saw and did what the father was doing. The power was there for him to do what the father was doing. You guys see what I'm talking about here? If you're remaining in the father. And you know what he is doing. The power to do what he is doing is available for you. You guys get it? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not to do what you want to do. A lot of times in our flesh, we'd be like, oh man, that means I could do what I want. But it's saying to do what the Father is doing now. And you know, we know what that is from being in his presence. We know what the Father is doing. By being in His presence. By remaining in Him. That's what sonship is. Mm -hmm. The environment where His power flows is the environment of His presence. You have to remain in the Father. You got to remain in the Father and you got to know what He is doing. Because when you know what He's doing and you start to do what He's doing, God's going to give you the power to do what He is doing. Number two, the second point that we see is that God's power flows when there is expectancy. In verse 4 through 5, it says, And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, to, said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. You know, the crippled the cripple man, he was expectant to receive something. But it's not, it wasn't just a crippled man. Peter and John also, they were expecting. They were expectant. You know, they, when, 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 when they saw this opportunity, when they saw this man, and they, 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 they were in the presence of God, they were expectant for God to show up. Why? Because they saw Jesus move in power for three years. They saw him die and rise from the dead. And also... They saw the, the Holy Spirit, that when he left, the Holy Spirit himself came upon them with power. And they knew that it was all real. And it being real, they were expecting, they, well, they knew that God was going to show up. There was that expectation there for God to be there. It was an expectation for the power of God. And brothers and sisters, when we come before the Lord, we have to come before the Lord with expectant hearts. And when you come to church, you have to come expecting something. How, how, how sad is it when you come to church and you think, oh man, nothing's going to happen today. I'm just going to go sing some songs, eat at Sharky's and come home. <laughs> how sad is that? When you guys meet in your small groups, when you guys meet in your community groups, you guys have to go expecting God to show up. Expecting the power of God to be there. Small group leaders, when you guys are di- discipling and ministering to your small group members, you have to be expectant that transformation is going to happen. That expectation needs to be there. You know, as you listen to the sermon, you have to be expectant. Because it takes faith to be expectant. In Hebrews 11.6 it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And before I go on, I want to note one thing. And I want to note that there is a dif- there's a difference between expectancy and entitlement. You guys know what that is? And one of the differences between expectancy and entitlement is there is no I in expectancy. And there is no me in expectancy. But there is a I and a me in entitlement. It came up right there. Came up with that myself. 
Expectancy is based on who he is. You guys get it? Entitlement is based on who you think you are. Expectancy is from faith. Where entitlement is from the self. You know, when I'm married to Pastor Mina, and I've been, we've been married for about a year and a half now, and there's a lot of time when she asks for a lot of things. <laughs> you know, like, I'll be, I'll be doing something, and she's like, could you get me water? Could you get me socks? Can you take off my socks? Can you scratch the back of my head? Can you, can you give me lotion? And when I get her lotion, no, not that one. Can you give me the other one? Can you burp me? And if her attitude was, you have to do this because you're married to me, because I'm your wife, that would be a sign of entitlement. There's a whole lot of I and me in that statement. But if her attitude is that she knew that I loved her so much that I would do anything for her, that would be expectancy. She can expect my, my love for her to be manifest to be made real because I chose to commit my love to her. And because she believes that I love her, she can expect that from me. That's expectancy. You know, she's not, she doesn't expect that from like Trevor. I'm not going to ask Trevor, can you give me some water? Can you take off my socks? You know what I mean? But because there's this love, there's mutual love, she can expect it from me. And it's not entitlement, it's expectancy. And it's out of His great love for us that God calls us to come to Him expectantly. We have to expect Him to move. We have to expect Him to to heal. We have to expect Him to deliver. Because He is who He says He is. You guys get that? We can expect because He is God. Because He is good. Because He is love. But in that expectancy, we have to know to not necessarily expect what we want, but what God wants. And when I pray to God, I expect God to respond. But we need to know that it might not always be what we anticipated. Sometimes there might not even be an answer. Sometimes it might be something totally different from what you asked for. But what we are expectant in Him In faith, we know that whatever it is, it's His will. We know that when we are expectant based on who He is, we know that what we will get, it will be good. Because He is good. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts for those who ask Him? It's here where we, where we recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. Expecting and accepting what God deems best for our lives. You know, there's a guy, there's a pastor named Bill Hybels. He said, when it's not his will, God says no. When it's not his time, God says slow. But when it's his will and the time is right, God says go. The Bible calls us to have an expectancy in God that allows Him to be God. We have to expect God to direct our lives, to save, to provide, to heal. That's an expectancy that God wants us to have. It's a healthy expectancy because He is good. We have to live a life expecting from God. But many of us, we attribute man's response to our expectancy and we attribute it to God. No. Man has let me down. My dad let me down. My friends let me down. And it's probably God will probably let me down. And we think God is another person that will ultimately let us down. What can I expect from God? Mm-hmm. And some of us have the wrong idea of God's character and attributes. And, we, and well, the only thing we expect from God is punishment. His wrath. His anger. Man, he's gonna he's a member me. He's gonna he's gonna punish me because I did this, this, this. You know, I sinned. I did this, and you know what we expect from him is only his wrath, his anger. But when we read the word of God, it says that we can expect great things from God. We can expect good things from God. We can expect perfect things from God. 
Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. It's not from here. It's from a missionary named J. Hudson Taylor. It was his life's motto. He said, he said, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. And there's a quote where he said, many Christians estimate difficulties in the light of their own resources and thus attempt little and often fail in the little they attempt. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckon on his power and presence with them. He's saying, go and do great things for God, expecting his power and his presence to be there. Now, Hudson Taylor was an English, he was a missionary from England. He lived 51 years in China in the 1800s. And he founded the China Inland Mission, which at his death had 205 mission stations with 800 missionaries and 125,000 Chinese Christians. This is before the communists, this is when it was ripe. He, he knew, and he's like, I want to do this. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this for God. And he expected God to be there. You know, he was like, he was like a, China, a chubby Chinese Englishman. He went there, he learned the language, all the dialects, he learned it. He learned to preach in Chinese and Cantonese Mandarin. He grew a, one of those ponytails. Because back then, all the guys had those ponytails. He, he dressed in Chinese clothes. I mean, he went and he did. Because he knew, he expected God to be there. Could you guys have, do you, can you guys, do you think you guys would do that? Right now, if God called you to like Zimbabwe, to go and learn the language, live there. But he's saying, you know, go and do, expecting, go do great things, expecting God to be there. For his power and his presence to be there. We must come to him with expectant hearts. You know, think about it. How do you think God feels when we come before him without a sense of expectancy? If he is the great God who made the heavens and the earth, how insulting it must be to him when we come not expecting anything from him. Not expecting anything to happen. But we must come to him with expectant hearts. And when we fully expect to see him move, we will see his power. You guys know that? When we fully expect him to move, we will see his power. But let me tell you, you can't expect to have this expectancy without knowing who he is. You got to go back to step one. Of being a person, a people in his presence. You can't expect to have this expectancy without first being in his presence. You can't expect your faith to grow without knowing who God is. Who is your faith based on without spending time with Him in His presence? I want to move on. So the first one is, you know, where God's power is, is where He is. And where there is expectancy is where God's power is. And the third point I want to, I want to give to you guys is that God's power is where we and recognize the authority of Jesus Christ. And I mentioned this in one of my previous sermons. And we see it in action right here in, in Acts chapter 3. And then one thing to take note is that Peter and John, when they came and they, they healed this man, they didn't lay hands and pray for him. They're like, oh, Lord, heal this crippled man. He's been crippled since birth. Lord, heal him, Lord. No, he didn't do that. What did they do? He said, they just, in, they just in, the, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. It's like a command. Like, do it. Just walk. In the name of Jesus Nazareth, walk. And he grabbed his hand and, and he, he raised him up and he was healed. And that's the authority, that's the power. That's the authority that Jesus walked in. They just laid, they didn't pray for him. They didn't call out to the Lord, to God, to come and, and heal them. They just, they, they, they called upon the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. And he was fully healed. Silver and gold I have not, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That's that authority that Jesus walked in. That's what Jesus did. They're not just imitating what Jesus did. 
they're also exercising the authority that he was doing it in. And I talked about this in my previous sermon, that Jesus walked in, his, in this authority, but he also passed it on to us. You know, there's a, a, the gospel mentions many times where Jesus gives his, gives his disciple this authority. And on Matthew 28, it says, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. He gave that authority. He passed it on to us. And Jesus gives us that authority. It's for us. But I want to add one thing to my previous point from my past sermon about Jesus giving us his authority, and it's this. He gives his authority to sons. He calls us his sons, and that that authority is given to sons. But many people fail to embrace their identity as a son, and they fail to embrace this authority. You know, being a servant is very important in the kingdom of God. God calls us to have a heart of a servant. Amen? He says, you know, we should, we should have whoever wants to be greatest among you must be a servant to all. That's what Jesus Christ said. Greatness in the kingdom comes from a servant's heart. You know, one of our, another of our core values is to be faithful in the small things. And that is there, it's there so that it brings out the servant heart in all of us. It doesn't matter if we're a if we're a, a campus pastor, if you're, if, it doesn't matter if you're a community care pastor, if you're a worship praise leader, if, 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 if we were called to mop this floor, we're going to do it with a servant's heart. We all need to walk in that, that humble, willing, sacrificial, selfless heart, the servant's heart. Philippians 2, it says, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count Equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Jesus took on the nature of a servant, and it's very important that we do the same. However, our identity does not lie in the place of servant. We are, God doesn't see us as servants. Although he wants us to carry the heart of a servant, he calls us to identify ourselves as sons. Jesus came to serve, but his identity came from the Father as a son. You know, Romans 5, 8, 15 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And spirit of adoption as sons, where we cry, Abba, Father, what causes people to cry out, Abba, Father, is, is when they see themselves as sons. And they're walking in sonship. When they're, being, when they're moving and being led by the Spirit of God, it says in the Word of God, those who are being led by the Spirit are called sons of God. And where a servant finds his sense of worth from, based on performance, sons find their worth from their intimacy with the Father. And as a servant, you get a paycheck. I get a paycheck. When I work at Sharky's, or I get a paycheck when I work at this Hagwan. But sons, what do we get? We get an inheritance. We get an inheritance. Servants get what they feel entitled to based on what they did. Sons get what they are expecting of based on who the father is. An inheritance. And in that inheritance is grace. There's favor, there's provision, there's worth, there's good gifts. But also in that inheritance is the authority and power that comes from the name of Jesus Christ. That name gets passed on to a son. When I have a child, my name will go to my son. You guys see that? In the same way, the authority that God gives, the authority that Christ walked in, that authority that said, rise up and walk. And he just walked. That authority gets passed down to a son. And we are called to be sons. Let me tell you, if you want to walk in the authority of the son of God, you have to embrace your identity 
as a son of God. And, and being a son means being intimate with the Father. And you see Christ. You see Jesus. His, his, he never slacked on his intimacy with the Father. He was always at one with the Father. Being led by his Spirit. Obeying the voice of the Lord. Doing what the Father is doing. And in that place of identity as sons is where we will find the authority of sons. The authority of Jesus Christ. When we read Acts 3, we see Peter and John using the authority given to them through the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth because they knew they were sons. Mm -hmm. They knew their identity in Christ as sons of God. And the power of God manifested in them. It was from their identity as a son to receive the authority of a son. Mm-hmm. And so God's power flows where the authority of Jesus Christ is recognized by sons. And I want to close with this. Some of you guys today might not identify yourself with Peter and John. But, you guys, but instead you guys identify yourself with the lame beggar. A cripple who was crippled from birth. It was his congenital condition that was always there. To him, it was a permanent hopelessness. He felt, I will always have this condition. I'm just going to have to live with it. And all I can do is just ask for some coins to continue you know, on with this misery. This sounds horrible, but some of you guys, you guys live in this way. You, you guys always had this bondage. You guys have always had this condition. I've always had it. I'm going to have to always live with it. And whatever it is you guys might have lived with for so long, like the beggar, you don't know what you need. You know, the, the beggar, what he thought, what did he, what did he think that he needed? When he said, look at, look at us, what, what did, was he expecting? What did he want? What did he think that his need was? He thought his need was a few coins. Maybe a denarii. Maybe, you know, like some money. But God knew his need. He knew his need more than he knew his need. And he was able to give him something that he never expected that he could have. He was like, oh man, you're going to give me some money. And then he's like, man, you healed my legs. This, this, all my life, I've never walked, and now I could walk. He, 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 didn't, he didn't even know that he, there was his need there. Because he thought that that was his identity. He thought that he was crippled forever. And a lot of you guys today, many of you, some of you guys walk like this. You guys live like this. I've had, I've had this bondage in my life. You know what? I'm just going to have to deal with it and get used to it because I will always have this bondage. I've had this sickness in my life. I'm just going to have to deal with it because I've always had this sickness. I've had, had this traumatic experience in my life. It's, it, 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 I will always live with this traumatic experience. I'm just going to have to deal with it. I'm just going to have to, to, to just move on and then ask from God what I think I need now. But brothers and sisters, today, God is he's telling you, just bring me that. Because I will give you, I will meet your need in a place where you never thought that, I would, that it was possible to be met. I want us to close our eyes and if the worship team come up. Today I want to say that God has so much for you. You know, beyond your comprehension, beyond your understanding of what you think you need, God has so much for you. Like the, like the, the lame beggar that was begging at the, at the temple gates, what he thought he needed was a few coins. What he thought he needed was some money to buy some food. He didn't even know that he had a need that went beyond that. And today, God is saying, I want to meet those needs that you, you don't even know you have. I want to break those bondages off you that you thought that you would have for the rest of your life. I want to bring healing into your life that you've, this pain, this trauma that you've lived with all your life. 
I want to bring healing into it so you never have to deal with it ever again. He wants to meet our need beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding, beyond what we think we need. And what he's saying is, come into my presence. Come into my presence. Abide in me. Remain in me. Come and see what I am doing. Come and see what I am doing in you. Come and see what I am doing in this city. Come and see what I am doing in this world. That's what he's inviting you to today. He's saying, come to me with expectant hearts. With faith. Knowing that I am gone. I am going to move. Knowing that I am good. Knowing that I love you so much. And expect me to move. Expect me to heal. Expect me to bring your breakthrough. Not just your breakthrough to be happy. But breakthrough for you to attempt and do great things for me. For my glory. And today he calls us as sons. And he calls us to walk in the identity as sons. And to the inheritance as sons. To recognize and walk in the authority of Jesus Christ. And he's saying to you today, whatever it is. Whatever the things that you're holding on to. Whether it's an illness, a struggle, a trauma. Bondage in your life. Whatever you think that you have to live with for the rest of your life. He's saying, come bring it to me. He said, bring it to me. Bring it to me expectantly. He's saying, come to me. Know who I am. Know my character. Know my love. Know what I'm doing. And for those of you today that have have this they have they, you guys identify yourself with that crippled man I invite you today to lay that before the Lord right now whatever it is whatever condition that it may be God does not want you to have it for the rest of your life and he's saying I am here whatever it is he's saying I am here I am here come into my presence Because I am a God that gives good gifts. I am a God that loves, loves you, that wants to protect you, that wants to heal you, that wants to deliver you. And He doesn't, He, he doesn't want to go on, for you to go on another day with you living with the things that you're living with. All with all eyes closed. With all everyone's eyes closed. If there's anyone here that has something like this that they want to lay before the Lord, I want you guys to just raise your hand. Just quietly just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Nobody has to see, but God sees right now. God sees your heart. God sees your desire. God sees your desire to draw close to Him. God sees your desire. He sees your expectancy for Him to move with power. Those of you guys raising your hands, I want you guys to pray. And I want to pray for you right now. Father God, We know that your power is real. We know that you are real. We know that you have raised from the dead and that you are seated in heaven and that your power flows upon us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And it's a power for now. It's a power to heal. It's a power to deliver. It's a power to break us out of that miry clay and bring us into life. And Lord, I pray for that power to come upon each and every one of these brothers and sisters. And for those that are raising their hands right now, I pray that that power will go deep inside of them. 
And that as your power comes upon them, Lord, they will have expectancy, Lord. That they will have faith. They will know. They will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are going to move in their lives. That you are going to, you're going to break them out. You're going to raise them up. You're going to dust them off. And you're going to set them on a place, on the rock that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I declare that for every single person in this place. Every single person that thought that they would always live with this. That thought that they would always have this condition. That thought that they, they, they would never be a day where it was not in their life. Lord, and Lord, you come to them today and say, you're going to break it off of them right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, you say that it is broken off in Jesus' name. That they are free from this in Jesus' name. It is no more. By the power of the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus Christ and the authority and the authority as sons, Lord, it is broken off in Jesus' name right now. I declare, we declare that. You declare that over them right now. And Lord, we know that they are walking in freedom. They are walking in truth. And Lord, we pray this for everyone and we pray, Lord, today that you're increasing our expectancy for you to move in power. You're, you're increasing that expectancy, Lord. And you're, you're increasing our desire to be in your presence. To be a people of your presence. To, to know what you are doing. To find out. To go and figure out. In, the, in this thing that's, that, that was happening in North Korea. For us to look at it and say, this is what you're doing. This is exactly where you are. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to do what you're doing. And I'm going to expect your power to be there. Help us to be a people of your presence. Help us to be a people expectant. That have an expectancy of your love, of your goodness, of your grace, of your power. Lord, and, and in that place of expectancy, Lord, help us to take authority as sons. That authority. We don't have to beg. Sons don't beg. Sons, they don't even ask. When I go to my mom's house, I don't have to ask if I want juice. But they just are. Sons are. And as sons, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we will take that authority. And we will stand upon that authority in the city of Busan. And we will stand upon that authority in our classrooms, in our schools in our families, that we will take that authority and we'll bind up the brokenhearted and we'll pro proclaim freedom for the captives, bring healing. We thank you, Lord, that it's available for us now, that we have it now. It's here with us now. This power, it flows flows through us, Lord. It's in us. Because you're in us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. And we pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen.